the Girl Crush Podcast. Some theme music. She has so many funny lines right up Reese's alley. I love her even more. It's underrated. I had no idea. Fell in love with her performances in the 90s. Supreme. Clearly, she has guts. Whiskey teacups, also known as Sass. Full two cups of whiskey. It's also known as like a classic. Forgot how much I love this movie. I completely agree. This is exactly what we had in mind. So on point. So on point. Hello, and welcome to the Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Anne. And I'm Allie. We love Reese Witherspoon, so this season we're watching all of her movies and ranking them. If you want to give us your own thoughts, be sure to connect with us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. And as always, be sure to rate and review. On today's episode, we'll be talking about Inherent Vice. This movie was released in 2014, and you can rent it on Amazon Prime. Reese plays a character named Penny, and in this movie, a PI is hired by his ex-girlfriend to find her new lover who's gone missing. So if you haven't seen this movie, now's the time to pause and go watch it. Otherwise, here's your spoiler alert. I think you can skip this one. I think so too, but Lisa's I... Lisa's not in a lot of it. Yeah, I think you can probably skip it, but I could see how there could be people who are big fans of this movie. Apparently, according to our notes, I was a fan of this movie after watching it. <laughs> and once reviewing the plot notes, I have no idea why I felt that way. So <laughs> maybe it'll come rushing back to me <laughs> as we go through this. As we go through. I guess it's possible. Yeah. <laughs> Today's episode is also brought to you by Wander and Ivy, a certified woman-owned business that sells premium single-serve organic wines. Each beautiful reusable glass bottle is a perfect 6.3 ounce pour. Love it. I love the red wine blend. Same. I think that's also my favorite. You can check them out at wanderandivy.com or on Instagram at wanderandivy. We love this brand. We are so excited to be partnering with them. Okay, to dive into the plot of Inherent Vice, we gave this a 7.5 out of 10. Originally, when we watched this, I said that I wanted to give it a 6.75, and Anne said she wanted to give it an 8.25, so we landed in the middle. So I guess some mixed feelings about it. But the movie opens in Gordita Beach, California, in 1970, and it's kind of like this noir-style film. Mm -hmm. We meet Shasta, who goes to visit her ex, Doc, played by Joaquin Phoenix. She's having an affair with a married man, Mickey Wolfman, who's an L.A. real estate powerhouse, and she wants help in stopping his wife, who's planning to have Mickey committed to a psychiatric facility. Shasta wants to stop this before it happens and asks Doc, who's now seeing a junior DA, Penny, played by Reese, to help her. And I think she wants to have him committed to essentially take control of his assets. Right, right, right. Yeah. A man named Tariq approaches Doc at his clinic to hire him to find a man named Glenn who owes him money and is also one of Mickey Wolfman's bodyguards. Turns out Doc is a licensed PI, which is why he has all these people coming to him for help. But he's also, like, a doctor. Right, <laughs> right. Like, he, like, operates out of this, like, kind of rundown clinic. And it doesn't seem like he actually does a lot of doctor work. Right, he just, right. He's mainly he's basically a PI. just a PI. Yeah. Yeah. But he wears a white coat. Yeah. So Doc goes to a, quote-unquote, massage parlor searching for Glenn. A couple of girls are real freaky here. He gets knocked over the head, and he wakes up outside on dirt ground with Glenn's body next to him, dead. He's questioned by a police officer, Bigfoot, who's played by Josh Brolin, who he seems to be familiar with. And they suspect that he might have killed Glenn because he was found right next to his dead body. He also learns that Wolfman is missing. And the police also suspect that he's in a cult because he couldn't have done this alone, essentially. But his lawyer ends up getting him released. I love that's what they jump to. <laughs> Not like, you must have an accomplice. Do you have a friend who's helping you with this? Right. It's, you're clearly in a cult. Like, well, that's I mean, what they went to. Cults were very big in the 70s. I'm, 
before we before we recorded this, I Googled, are there any cool cults? Oh my because goodness, there's so many cool cults. Are there? Because when I searched that, everything that came up was like 16 most terrifying cults in US history. Like that's what came up. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> By cool, yes, I mean terrifying and horrible. Okay. <laughs> I meant like, are there like fun cults? No. <laughs> to be a cult, it has to be bad, I think. I don't think that's part of the definition of a cult. I'm going to look up definition of a cult. I mean, I just think, let's see. Let's see what it says. Okay. <laughs> a system of religious veneration and devotion directed toward a particular figure or object. Another definition is a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Oh, why does it have to be religiously affiliated? Why can't it just be like, everyone's really into this thing? <laughs> uh, I guess that's a club. <laughs> that's a club. <laughs> <laughs> Anne wants to start a cult. <laughs> <laughs> but like a cool one, like a nice one. <laughs> I'm, like, alarmed at my own thought that, like, a cool cult was just... I, I thought you meant, like, an interesting one. No, 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 no. I meant, like, <laughs> a, a happy cult. <laughs> yeah, I I thought our conversation here would be, like, if you had to pick a cult to be in, which one would you be in? And I was like, well, I think all the cults I've heard of are terrifying, so let me see if there are any I want to be in. And it turns out <laughs> it seems like there's a big opportunity and room for improvement in the cult. <laughs> The cult part of society. White space you know. opportunity. <laughs> White space. Yes, exactly. I think there's a real need for, you know, a, a nice a cult. It's just a club. <laughs> yeah. Probably probably a Reddit thread for that. I'm sure there is. It's just anyway, a club. I actually, at the risk of sounding insane, I love cults. And by that, I mean, I love learning about cults. There's actually another podcast that's just called Cults. And they do like two episodes per cult. And they first talk about like the cult leader and how they became a cult leader. And then they talk about the actual cult. And it's so interesting. I feel like cult is one of those words that now that we've said it about 20 times, <laughs> it doesn't sound like a real English word to me. I would, <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I think we should ask our Instagram audience what their favorite cult is. Yeah. <laughs> if you could pick one cult to be in. <laughs> oh, man. No, there's fascinating stories about cults. If I started talking, I would get way too into it. <laughs> I love it. And I'm going to start a, a club and call it a cult and <laughs> see what fish I catch with that net. We'll post some of the most interesting cults on our Instagram story. So if you don't follow us already, go follow us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod because I don't have time to talk about all my most intriguing cults now. I can't wait to see <laughs> what your favorite cults are. <laughs> I want to clarify, cults are terrible, but they're very interesting to read about. <laughs> Let's change the narrative. They don't have to be terrible, okay? <laughs> I don't know they why I'm defending cults so they're, hard. They're but... all terrible. <laughs> this is not the hill you want to die on. <laughs> I know. I don't know why I'm going so defensive on this. I was not raised in a cult. I, I've never met anyone who's in a cult. I'm not, like, protecting anyone. I don't know. You might. Are you in a cult now? I don't know. Send help. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, back, to, back to inherent vice. This takes place in the 70s, so everybody is very suspicious of cults. <laughs> Bigfoot calls Doc that night. Remember, if you forgot from our tangent, Bigfoot is the cop. He calls Doc that night and tells him that Shasta, his ex-girlfriend, is missing. 
Doc also gets a call from a woman named Hope who's looking for her husband, Coy. She was told he was dead, but she doesn't believe it because a large sum of money had been deposited into her account after he went missing. And her husband is played by Owen Wilson, of all people. The Owen Wilson-Reese Witherspoon movie overlaps are very strange. Yes. And then you throw in Joaquin Phoenix with that. Yes. Yes. So Doc goes to investigate and talks with Mr. Wolfman's wife. She says that Wolfman was going to build a new wing in a fake facility and had made a deposit, but while he's missing, she'd like to return the money and asks for a deposit slip. Doc meets with Penny, again played by Reese, and she implies that Doc could have killed Glenn and just forgotten about it because of the drugs that he's on. So we learn he's kind of a druggie also. Penny asks if he's still in love with Shasta. And there's, like, this tension between him and Penny. Like, they're kind of, like, seeing each other. And I don't know. Like, when she says, well, you could have done it and just forgotten, I think she's being, like, a little facetious with him. Right. Kind of, like, trying to toy with him. Yeah, she's more of this, like, buttoned-up assistant Mm -hmm. DA character. And every time he meets her, she's in, like, a business suit on her lunch break. And he's just kind of a ragamuffin. Yeah. Why that that word just came to mind. (laughs) (laughs) True, true. You know? Yeah. So Doc finds out that Tariq was part of the Black Panthers, and he puts together that the FBI think that the Black Panthers kidnapped Mickey as a political statement. The FBI approach him, and they ask him to consider being an informant. Doc also receives a message from Jade. He's just, like, receiving messages left and right. He really is. He's very popular, and it's very confusing. There's a thousand characters. So Jade is a woman that he met at the massage parlor, and she asks to see him, apologizes for playing a part in him getting arrested, and tells him to beware of the Golden Fang, which is an international drug smuggling operation. Of all people, Maya Rudolph is the receptionist. (laughs) Can you believe? No, that's hilarious. I'm like, how on earth did she land up here? Yes, like, what? (laughs) Is this just before she really, like, found her comedy grounding? I don't know. Did she just wander by set one day on her way to some other thing and wandered in and they were like, take a seat. Right, right. It seems so out of place for her. Yeah, it really does. And she's not, like, funny. You know, she's just there. She's just, like, this little character. Yeah, so but I mean, this this came out like after Bridesmaids. Oh my God, did it really? Yeah. Well, that's so weird to think this about. This is 2014. Bridesmaids was 2011. What on earth is she doing in this movie? <laughs> Maybe it's just a quick paycheck. She's not in much of it at all. I wonder if she, are she and Reese Witherspoon friends? Hmm. I don't know. I haven't come across that on social media. I feel like they'd be very cute friends. They would be cute friends. Let's make it happen. Let's connect them. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> So Jade also introduces Doc to Coy, who claims he's in hiding as a police informant and that he fears for his life. He asks Doc to check on his wife and daughter. There's a boat called the Golden Fang that allegedly is connected to the smuggling scheme. His friend mentions that the boat is also connected to Mickey Wolfman, who took the boat out the day before he disappeared. We learn the Golden Fang boat is like this heroin gang or something similar. I don't know the criminal terminology. And they use the massage parlor as a front to launder money. So there's like this whole operation going on. Doc goes to talk to Bigfoot and shows him a photo of Koi taken the night before. He says he should care because Koi was an informant but is supposedly dead. And Bigfoot says he'll look into it. Glenn's sister comes to see Doc. Um, Remember, Glenn is the one who died. Bigfoot sent her to see him. And she says that Wolfman was trying to give away all his money because he's on a guilt trip. And she says that the day Glenn died, another guy, Puck, was supposed to be Wolfman's bodyguard. And they switched shifts at the last minute, which then, you know, Glenn ended up being the one who died. And then Mm -hmm. Puck set sail and went missing. Doc goes to a place called Golden Fang Enterprises, which seems very on the nose and a little too obvious, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and meets Dr. Blatnoid. 
played by Martin Short. He tells Doc that the Golden Fang is a syndicate of dentists. It's so funny. It's just like this building is so stark and weird. <laughs> yes. It's unnerving. It is. It is. Also, have you been watching? Did I ask you this recently? Have you been watching Only Murders in the Building? No, but it's on my list. People keep telling me about it. It's hysterical. The second season, the season finale, like Scott and I were both laughing so hard we were crying. Like Martin Short and Steve Martin are so hysterical together. That's amazing. All the Martins. You need to watch it. Okay. All the Martins. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely, I need to get around to it. So Bigfoot calls Doc that night and says, now Dr. Blatnoid was found dead, once again connected to Doc, who had just gone to see him earlier that day. Mm-hmm. Bigfoot and Doc meet the next morning. Bigfoot tells him that Coy on paper OD'd and is dead, but that the OD report is suspicious. He also says Dr. Blatnoid's autopsy report showed fang marks. You know, <laughs> golden fang. Yeah. So Doc goes to an asylum run by a cult and connected to golden fang. This is apparently where Wolfman was allegedly going to be sent. Also, fun fact, the guy who plays the doctor at the mental facility also played a doctor in SVU. And when I made that connection, I was just like, because you know how much I love SVU. Do you feel like that guy, I wonder if everything he's in, he's just playing some supporting character doctor. I do feel like there's a few, uh, like a handful of people who are just like that in like all, all movies and shows. And they're like, found my niche forever. (laughs) Yep. Just to make a movie starring a doctor. (laughs) Yes, I mean, I, I guess they do. just, they found their calling. I guess so. So Doc finds Mickey there at the asylum, who seems to be like a happy little cult member. He's been drawn into this cult. He kind of just tells Doc to go away. And Doc also sees Puck and Koi there. Doc's watching TV that night when suddenly Shasta appears in his living room naked. He is understandably confused because last he heard she was missing. And she tells him that her relationship with Wolfman is over. She seemed kind of like intoxicated by Wolfman's power and his way of life. But then she implies that he was clearly her pimp and that she was used by him and his friends when she disappeared. Like she was taken basically by them to be used. She's just one hundo P naked on screen, which I cannot fathom. Nope. Cannot. <laughs> no. So Shasta and Doc do it, but she says this doesn't mean they're back together. Penny gets Doc Adrian Precious file. So another new character. Adrian is involved with the cartel and the LAPD pays him to kill people. So some dirty cops here. Turns out Adrian is the one who killed Bigfoot's former partner, and he was hired by the LAPD to do so. He's also tied to the Golden Fang, and Doc learns that Glenn was involved with the deal, which is why he was killed. So Doc visits Adrian and is captured and drugged by his partner, Puck. He eventually escapes, killing them both. Bigfoot appears and drives him home, but he has planted heroin in his car, setting him up to take the fall. So now we think Bigfoot is one of the dirty cops. Mm Mm-hmm. Doc ends up exchanging the drugs with the Golden Fang in exchange for Koi's freedom. The movie ends with Doc and Shasta driving off, and she's, like, musing about everything that's happened and says it doesn't mean they're back together. So I feel like probably our recap of it kind of showed how confusing the movie is. It's like there's a lot of different characters. It's kind of hard to keep the story straight. There's a lot of bad guys, and you don't know how they're all connected, which I think is why I didn't want to give it that high of a score. I feel like this is a movie that would have done so well as like a limited series because it had such a complicated story to tell. Yes. 
and you fitting more time. It, yeah, fitting it into a movie just made it confusing. Yeah. But it is a really cool movie. The, like, design is super cool. The costumes are really cool. Yes. It was nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Costume Design and for a few Critics' Choice Awards. I just feel like it needed more time. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. This also feels like one of those movies that critics would love, but that might be kind of polarizing for the mainstream audience because it is, like, kind of artsy and has sort of, like, an indie film feel. Like, it's different mm-hmm. than your mainstream movie. So it doesn't surprise me that critics liked it and that it got nominated for an Oscar because I, I, I just feel like I am often not in the target audience for people who would love movies like that. Kind of interesting. Like, Owen Wilson was in this movie. He was in She's Funny That Way with Jennifer Aniston. Like, He's mm. been in a few of these. Kind of like off the wall. Yeah. 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 That's, that's I wonder, interesting. Which, I mean, doesn't feel like it's his stereotypical type of movie. But as we learn with our girl crushes, yes. usually our perception of what an actor's like forte or true passion is, is not what they're actually famous for. So. Yes. So true. I wonder looking at his IMDb oh, if we were to or whatever. Yeah. yeah that, oh, that'd be so interesting. It would be more stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you're right. I feel like when looking at all of Reese's movies, I kept getting this one confused with Twilight, which was another kind of like noir style film. Yeah. I do think this one was much better than Twilight. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. But I I do think you kind of have to like noir films to like this movie. Yeah. This is definitely a movie also I think you have to pay attention to. There's like Mm -hmm. very smart dialogue. It's a very intricate plot. Like we said, there's so many characters. I think it's easy to get confused. This is not like a passive watching movie. Right, (laughs) right. To be engaged watching this. Yeah, totally. All that being said, though, like I feel like you need to be engaged, but it still felt a little bit slow moving to me. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's an intricate plot, but it's not like a really fast-paced high action plot i think that's kind of a characteristic of noir film though like yeah, they're yeah. that slower kind of sleepier paced yeah untangling kind of right. storyline a fun fact about this movie the soundtrack was composed by the guitarist of radiohead that's super fun yeah also robert downey jr was in talks to play doc which i could totally see yes I actually feel like I feel like the humor could have come across better if it was Robert Downey Jr. Like it would have been a little more obvious. I think the way Joaquin Phoenix played it, like he's so serious, it's kind of hard to read his humor. It's like very dry, which maybe that was the point. Maybe that's just the direction they wanted to take it. But mm-hmm. I could have totally seen Robert Downey Jr. like nailing that. Yeah, we didn't really mention this throughout the plot, but there is a lot of dry humor throughout mm-hmm. this movie. So there's like I think several points we had noted before. <laughs> Allie took the scissors out to the plot, <laughs> made it into the pretty snowflake she just presented, uh, where we were like, oh, that was funny. Oh, I chuckled yeah. at this. Whatever. Yeah, there are definitely some humorous parts in it. Yeah. So yeah, I think overall, if, if you really like noir films or you like very artsy films and you often side with the critics in their assessment of films, then you would like this movie. Roger Ebert's review said it seemed like the movie itself was also stoned, which is a good way of <laughs> describing it, but he did give it four stars, so he liked it. I love that description. That's it made, it's so it, true. You're like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, it felt like confusing. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then you're like, wow, if that was on purpose because you're like <gasps> seeing this yeah. through Doc's perspective and Doc is kind of stoned the whole movie. Like a little it makes meta, me, almost. Yeah, not meta, makes you, but like self-aware. Yeah, it makes you like less frustrated by it. Yeah, I think. yeah. You know, where you're like, wow. Yeah, it's so true. So for Reese's character Penny, we gave her a six out of ten. Very straight laced compared to Doc. Obviously, we kind of were drawing these comparisons earlier. Super put together, career woman, 
The fact that she's even seeing him feels like rebellion for her, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. You know? Mm -hmm. She will only see him, like, on a bench several blocks away from her office. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's not inviting him in or talking to him or really trying to be seen in public with him. Yeah. So true. Overall, I I didn't think it had to be played by Reese, though. No. Like, it's just such a small role. We don't see a ton from her. Yeah, I agree with that. I think the only other movie where she played this small of a role was (laughs) Little Nicky. (laughs) Very different characters. Very different movies. But yes. But this is another one where you're just like, this came out in 2014. Like, what was the incentive to be in this movie? Or was it like... When did Walk the Line come out? Was she just like, oh, I really enjoyed working with Joaquin Phoenix and I have time. I don't know. (laughs) Like, I don't know how the movie industry works. Walk the Line came out in 2005. Yeah, I don't know either. I would love to know that kind of information. Strange. Anyway. So for Reese's acting, we gave her a 7 out of 10. Again, small role, don't see a ton from her, but I thought it was solid. Just nothing overly special. I feel like seven, that's our score for like, yeah, good job. Yeah, where we're like, we didn't hate it. There was nothing outlandish where we could really critique it, but it's not blowing us away. Yeah, exactly. I do think we need to do a side-by-side with Reese in this movie and Jen from Life of Crime, which was Mm. also set in the 70s. I think that would be a fun side-by-side. Yes. And also kind of interesting, like, the main male actors in this, Joaquin Phoenix, Owen Wilson, Josh Brolin, are people that she already worked with Mm. in other movies. Josh Brolin was in Best Laid Plans. Owen Wilson was in How Do You Know? Mm -hmm. And was he in anything else with her? No. No, I think just these two. And then Joaquin Phoenix and Walk the Line. Yeah. So kind of... Just interesting that she ended up here. Yeah, that is. I want I, I want to know the ins and outs. This is, again, when we need someone from the industry. Like, give us the details on this movie. Like, how would this come about? Yeah, it'd be so interesting to talk to a casting director to be like, when is it worth it to mm. hire someone super well-known for such a small part? Like, what is the ROI on that, I guess? Yeah, like, yeah. You know? <laughs> right. And, like, it would be interesting to know, I'm sure there are some movies that are obviously made to try and play at the Oscars, you know, like, Mm -hmm. try to make a play for the Oscars Mm. versus other movies that are just made to be blockbuster hits. Yeah. So it would be interesting to know, like, how their casting choices change depending on, like, Mm. what their goal of the movie is. Ooh, man, that's such a good question. (sighs) Any casting directors out there? Follow casting directors on Instagram and try to connect with them. (laughs) Yes. It's so interesting. Yeah. And it's also... I'm terrible. The only time I ever watch credits is at the movie theater, usually for a Marvel movie because I'm waiting for <laughs> the other really thing, which is the point of them, so it works. But it's so interesting that the casting is usually done by one person. I know. Isn't that weird? Isn't that crazy? I'm like, that one person, how do you get hired to cast the next Spider-Man, you know? <laughs> I, I feel like the director must have a huge say. Yeah. Like, what does that process look like? Like, if the director or producer wants, like, a certain person for the lead, I imagine, like, maybe the casting director's job is to, like, go get that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, how much creative freedom is there? there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, so many Yeah, questions. who has to approve? What is the race secret on that? <laughs> <laughs> Do you use that term at work? Yes. <laughs> For those who may not be aware, it's responsible, (laughs) accountable, consulted, or informed. Yes. (laughs) For certain tasks. Anyway. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, for our bonus score of whiskey teacups, aka sass, we gave her a zero out of two. There's just not enough. There's no sass here, really. I mean, she's like kind of 
She's just she's just sticks to her guns because she's straight laced. I think that's it. Yeah, it's not sassy. It's, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. So for Would You Watch Again, we gave this one a three out of five, although it was a little bit hard to rate this one because you said if you were rating it on your own, you would give it a three because you were kind of torn. Whereas I gave it, I would give it a one. I said I would not watch it again. Again, not my style. So we thought about giving these a unique two, but we ended up just going with a three. Yeah, I think I would like to watch it again without taking notes. Mm -hmm. This movie, I feel like has a similar vibe as The Big Lebowski, which I like. Mm. So I feel like if you're a fan of The Big Lebowski, you might like this movie. Yeah, that's fair. So to review for Inherent Vice, we gave the plot a 7.5 out of 10, Reese's character Penny a 6 out of 10, her acting a 7 out of 10, Whiskey Teacup score of 0 out of 2, and a Would You Watch Again score of 3 out of 5 for a total score of 23.5 out of 37 points, which means that Inherent Vice is ranked number 25 out of all 41 Reese Witherspoon movies. It's like solid, middle of the pack Yeah, not too bad. movie. Yeah. As always, thanks for listening to the Girl Crush Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on today's movie. You can find us on Instagram at girlcrush underscore pod. You can also support us at buymeacoffee.com slash girlcrushpod or visit our website at girlcrushpodcast.com. Tune in next time when we will be talking about Home Again. So excited for that one. I'm very excited for that one. Yes. Bye. Bye.